Blog Talk Radio. We are here every Tuesday 
every Tuesday evening we are here. And so here it is Tuesday, and here we are again with another great show. The call-in number, as a reminder, for you to call in, to comment, to ask a question uh, is 646-200-3715. Again, that, that is uh, 646-200-3715. So welcome. And I just want to remind the listeners also that The Right Voice is on social media. We are on Twitter and Facebook, as I remind you every week. Facebook, you can uh, follow us and like us. It is The Right Voice Radio. That's what we are on Facebook. It's The Right Voice Radio. And on Twitter, it's at The Right Voice One. Again, that's at The Right Voice One. So if you would go over there, hit us up, show us some love, we would totally appreciate it, all right, because we want the word out there about what's going on with the right voice. All right, well, uh, in addition to that, I want to, to point out this is Women's History Month, and so we, we try to acknowledge every month uh, some observances and things that are going on, and this is, this is Women's History Month. If there is time at the end, we'll do perhaps a, a little tribute, but... I do want to give a shout out to to all the women out there, uh, those who have paved the way for us. Thank you, and those who are who are paving your own way right about now on the on the shoulders of those who've come before us as well. Here's my shout out. Appreciate you very very much. All right. So uh, also we know that this is a a big day in in politics. I just got back a few minutes ago. As I have, uh, I voted at the end of the, after I was done with work and everything, I went out, I voted, I came back, I got my little sticker on. If you can see me right now, you see my sticker. And it says, I voted. And yes, I did. And I tell you what, it was, this was a difficult one. Um, I mean, I I committed, and those of you who are listening, you know, I committed to just really praying about it because it's not like I was overly enthusiastic with any of the the 17, but it's been a long process. And, and even up until, you know, I went into that, into the voting uh, precinct there, I just was pausing and I'm like, well, you know, but, um, but yes, I, I, I voted and I voted my conscience. I voted my values and I hope you voted as well. And uh, we can see on, on the television here that, that, uh, that um, some, uh, that there's a projection that, uh, that Donald Trump has won Florida. I see that it's not set in stone, I believe, but I just kind of glanced over there, and and that's what I that's what I saw was what it was expected. I mean, I I'm sure that Marco Rubio didn't expect that. So it'll be interesting. However, this plays out uh, in these states today. It will be rather interesting to see whether this comes down to a two man race in Donald Trump and Ted Cruz. Whether Rubio will get out if he uh, if he if he has in fact lost in Florida, which I'm looking here, it says Fox News projects Donald Trump wins Florida Republican primary. So will he get out of the way or will he just try to hang in there? Kasich is expected to win Ohio. We'll see what goes on. But right now, before we get too off, I want to um, to, to pull in a guest that I, that I have. And his name is John McMillan. And John, I wanted to hear from John because this in the last several days, many people, from what I gathered, were rather shocked because Dr. Ben Carson, who recently suspended his own campaign for, for, pre- for the presidency, made an endorsement. 
he endorsed Donald Trump. And though, though there were people who were very excited about that, there were many people I saw on social media who just couldn't wrap their brains around that. Didn't seem to make sense. And so I wanted to hear, you guys know me, I like to hear from your regular, average, everyday, engaged um, citizen and to get some feedback. And so I have with me John McMillan, as I said, and I want John to react to that news of Dr. Ben Carson endorsing Don, the businessman Donald Trump. John, thank you for joining me on The Right Voice. Uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it very, very much, and I'm very interested in talking to you a, a little bit about this Ben Carson endorsement. Now, how did you hear, and what was your reaction? Well, as a famous uh, line that the president uses, you know, I didn't know anything about it until I heard it on the news. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but, yeah, I think I was like most uh, people who were staunch uh, Carson supporters. I I was just taken aback. I, I could not really wrap my head around it at first, and mm -hmm. uh, I've read a lot of the comments that he has made uh, since the uh, conversation that he had with mm -hmm. Donald Trump, and I've read what he says, you know, as to why he came to that conclusion, but I also have reread what Donald Trump said about him. You know, if you go back to Iowa mm -hmm. and the week that Trump turned on him. Dr. Carson was leading the polls. He had edged up, edged up, and he was polling ahead of Donald Trump all of a sudden in some polls. Donald mm. says he was second to him, but whatever. Uh, mm. Trump saw him as uh, a big threat, and like he does everybody else that he perceives as a threat, he launched a personal attack, and, I mean, it was not just a, an insult. He assaulted the man's character, called him a pathological liar, that he was as bad as a pedophile. And uh, you all have read the, the comments. So you take all that into account, and it was just really hard for me. And the only conclusion I can come to is I know that Dr. Carson's a very analytical person, and he's mm -hmm. very pragmatic. And you can only surmise that he... You know, did the math, looked at the landscape, and saw the, that this was going to be the the, uh, the winner of the primary. And I know that how much Dr. Carson wants to be a part of trying to help bring our country back, you know, to mm -hmm. its right path. So I have many mixed emotions about it. I, I'm not a Trump hater. I was. I, like a lot of people, I was very drawn to Donald Trump uh, early on because he was able to break through all the, you know, the bluster out there and broke out of the box that the media keeps uh, the conservatives in. But I've always been wrestling with, you know, where does Donald Trump's ideology lie? I don't know the core of the man. Now, <laughs> Dr. Carson seems to think he does. <laughs> So I've, I've advanced past for about a week here. I've kind of wrestled with this, and I've come down to trust Dr. Carson. I hope that he is not wrong in what he perceives, 
But the thing that bothers me about this still is, as he says, Donald, there are two Donald Trumps. Right. And and that's that's good news and bad news. So which Donald Trump will we have should he be elected president? And however, you know, if if he wins, becomes the primary candidate of choice, if he's elected as our candidate, I will support him naturally. Mm-hmm. But uh, many reservations, and I don't know what much more to say. I wish I had more insight to give you and could give you something I could predict. But I mm-hmm. think it's just a, a gamble. I think Dr. Carson gambled, but he right. I think he thought it was an educated. Uh, gamble. I think he he feels confident in the man. So I'm I don't have the confidence in him that Dr. Carson does yet. But I, I'm open to you know being right. convinced. So did I hear you correctly in that you were supporting Dr. Carson for president before he suspended his campaign? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And so I I, I would have to. Uh, surmise that you trust his judgment. Right. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's what it comes down to. So does his endor- so did his endorsement? I mean, obviously you're in the state of Missouri, as am I, and so we had to vote today. And I'm not. I don't want to ask you to tell us your vote if you if you don't want to. But I, I mean, did the endorsement matter? We have this whole conversation going on in the now. Do endorsements matter? Don't endorse. And people have all manner of of ideas concerning that. So I'm going to kind of lay it out on you. Did his endorsement make a big difference for you personally? Well, that was the reason I had such a hard time with it. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, it did not. It it didn't change. I had already made a decision when Dr. Carson dropped out. I didn't, you know, nothing was said for a few days. So I went to another candidate that I thought – uh, whose words and campaign rhetoric were closer to Dr. Carson's than anybody else. And I was just so shocked when mm-hmm. he endorsed a man that was so totally opposite of his campaign talk and rhetoric. But, yeah, I, I did not end up uh, voting. You know, it did not influence me to vote for Donald Trump. I'll just leave it okay. at that. Okay. Uh, I, I got that. I don't know. I um. I don't know if you heard, but yesterday, um, Dr. Carson, and I, you know, he's not a politician, so his his responses are not always going to be as scripted and polished as as those who've been doing politics for so long. But it was it struck me rather odd that he told Newsmax to see that that he really wishes that things had worked out differently, and that he'd been able to endorse. A different candidate, which is kind of interesting. Uh, and I'm going to quote here uh, from the transcript. He said, I have to look at what is practical and what is going to save this country and the American dream for the next generation. Is there another scenario that I would have preferred? Yes. But that scenario isn't available. And he was asked, with one of the other candidates, you mean? And he said, yeah. And then he went on to say that he had been offered that Trump had offered him a position in a Trump administration. And so I don't know if you'd heard that, but I am curious. 
it sounds, I mean, he just straight out sounds like to me he's saying that he would have preferred to endorse someone else, which is kind of an odd thing to say after you endorse someone. And then to kind of say, well, you know, he offered me a position. Yes. I I read that uh, news report as well. And again, that, that took me back. I just, if it were anybody else besides Dr. Carson, you'd be hearing words like, you know, he sold out. But right. again, I don't think I don't see Dr. Carson that way. Is like I said earlier, I think I think he did want to go another direction, mm-hmm. but he didn't see that person, you know, from from the uh, results that were starting to come in the primaries. Mm-hmm. And in talking to him, I, that other person apparently didn't offer him the opportunity. But even if he had, I don't think he would have taken it. I think he made this decision solely because he is betting on Trump winning the nomination. And he mm-hmm. wants to be a part of what whoever wins the nomination and wins the presidency. He wants to be involved in that. Mm-hmm. And he believes Trump is going to listen to wise counsel. Mm-hmm. And... I hope he's right, because he could use a lot of wise counseling. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, well, in all fairness, anyone who's in that position, and I still can't figure out why anybody would would want it unless they were truly called to do it, because, man, oh, man, when you wake up that next day after it, you're like, oh, wait, I'm, you know, I can't imagine, but um, in in, in any case. uh, Absolutely. Yeah, he, yeah. he definitely will need wise people around him. But I, I know you don't know the answer to this, but I'm just curious. Do you have an inkling at all of of the person Dr. Carson would have liked to get behind if if it were available? Well, I don't have a way of knowing for sure, but I again, I thought that his rhetoric, if that's the right word, but his campaign talk sounded closer to Ted Cruz than anybody else. Um uh, mm-hmm. So that's who I would think that he was thinking of. But I think he talked to Rubio. I think he talked to uh, possibly Kasich. But I'm, I know he, from what I read, he talked to Rubio and Cruz. So, and Cruz is who I would see him uh, being a perfect match with. But that, that's just hmm. me. Right. And that's interesting because I, I tend to think that he, and I know he said that he's forgiven Cruz, but I tend to think that he still has distrust of Senator Cruz because of the way things went down uh, with, you know, he, the quote-unquote dirty tricks in the campaign. And he said that Cruz was uh, engaging in dirty tricks and, and uh, you know, you know the whole story with the CNN story about him, yeah. uh, you and, know, spending the campaign. That's another very curious thing, you know, to me. Yeah, I, and it's dirty tricks. And, you, of course, you hear that uh, Cruz claiming he didn't direct it, that his, the campaign people in that state did right. that, blah, blah, blah. But even if he had, if you compare a dirty trick, of, you know, with telephones or whatever they did, you know, and trying to say that Dr. Carson was dropping out or whatever, I'm not even sure what their narrative was. But mm-hmm. be that as it may, you compare that, to a man who made an all-out, no-holds-barred assault on Dr. Carson's character. Yeah. That his book was full of lies, that he could not be trusted, and mm-hmm. go back and you know, the whole nine yards of pathological, attacked his mother with a hammer, 
He's pathological. You can't trust a man like yeah. him. He's a sick Compare puppy. him to a child molester. Yeah. Yeah. And so he can he can forgive way more, I think, than what was done to him in one state, in one uh, contest. And yet, but then again, I don't know. I, I can't answer that. I still wrestle with that. Why right. he he says he can he forgave both men, mm-hmm. but I think it goes back to the pragmatism again. He, for whatever reason, well, there's lots of reasons that he assessed and he sees Trump as being the one to is best most likely to win the primary, and <laughs> he wants to be with he wants to be a part of that operation. But right. I think it, you know. After I say that, I think there was plenty of time for him to come in after and further down the road, you know, to wait right. and be sure who was going to win. You know, I'm thinking after tonight, for example, after Ohio and in Florida, I think that's going to be a lot more decisive than mm-hmm. what Dr. Carson was looking at when he made his decision. So I still can't really get my head around it. I'm, you know, I'm no right. smarter than anybody else. It's just, it just yeah, really took me back right. and dismayed me. I was dismayed big time. Well, speaking speaking of Florida right now, I'm looking, uh, Donald Trump has won with 45.6%. That's so far uh, 74% in in Florida. Marksville right now, 27.5. Ted Cruz, 16.5. And Kasich with 6.6. I don't know what he's saying uh, because it's muted, but um, Rubio is addressing his supporters now. And again, that's with 74% in, but Trump is declared the the winner already. So very, very interesting. I I appreciate your your feedback, and it sounds to me that you still have confidence in the character of uh, Dr. Carson. There are people who feel like he sold sold himself out uh, for a position, and and so I guess, uh, you know, not everybody is as confident that that his motives are are right, and and, I don't know, obviously, just as you couldn't possibly you went with your with your own conscience, and uh, you made your own determination of who it is you you wanted to to vote for. And I can relate to uh, you know I can relate to that uh, feeling of wow this is this is a tough one this is a tough one. I threw, on, threw up on Facebook uh, a graphic last night and it was a, a baby a child and a toddler crying, and the the words say something like um, I don't want to vote I don't like any of these people you know and it's it's really funny and um, but many people can sort of relate to. You know, and there's always going to be good and bad in every, in every candidate. Um, but I tell you what, John, this has been such a a tense, and I and that's a, a mild word for the sentiments out there. People are fighting with people and ending relationships with. And I'm thinking this is ridiculous. Whoever gets in office will be there for eight, four years, eight years at the most, and you guys are ending 20 year relationships over this stuff. Yeah, and yeah, uh, it's kind of crazy. But Thank you again for for joining me here on the Right Voice. I appreciate your your input and uh, your transparency and just being just being downright about about how you feel about the uh, the Ben Carson endorsement of Donald Trump. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you very much for having me. All right, appreciate it. Okay, bye bye. Bye bye. Okay, well, well, there you have it. Um, there is John McMillan who supported Dr. Ben Carson. For, for president and so he weighed in on that. I do I do have a caller, so I'm gonna take this call. Hello, thank you for joining me on the right voice. Hello, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm great. 
so far. <clears throat> you know, what? I was looking at your. T- my name is uh, Pianchi. I'm calling from the, the St. Louis area, actually. Oh, excellent. Great. Yes, and, and I was, was calling on concern of, of your mentioning about the violence at Trump rallies. Yes, we haven't even, no, we haven't even gotten there yet, but uh, that's coming up later in the show, yeah. Well, but I was going to. Yeah, I was at the rallies Friday here in St. Louis. Okay, and yes. I, all the things that I've been hearing, mm-hmm. I didn't see. Really? Uh, no. On the tickets that they give you, whether you mm-hmm. get them online, yes, it says right there in the general information, I don't know if you've had an opportunity to read one. Mm-hmm. It says no posted banners or signs may be brought into the event. There is no dress code. No professional cameras with a detachable lens are permitted. No tripods, monopods, selfie sticks, or GoPros. ID is not required for entry. Mm-hmm. Now, that's quite straightforward and simple. And when people come into these private venues, because they are, they're not public, they're private because you have to have a ticket to get in, then there's, that spells out what you're not allowed to do. Mm-hmm. And if you do do that, then, of course, you would be escorted out. Okay. And I hear people making it sound. You In St. Louis, you had police officers, St. Louis finest, and you may have had some security inside. Mm-hmm. But I've seen po- St. Louis police officer run up the steps to go inside on a couple of occasions. And, of course, when the police or the security is leading a person out, Donald may shout, get him out of here. Well, he's not right. shouting that to the people in the stands, the fans, because right. they're private citizens and they should know better that you're not supposed to be putting your hands on another individual and the repercussions that can follow, like the one instance that everyone wants to mention. But at the same time, I'm sitting outside, and I'm an African-American, mm-hmm. and I still got my neck. I wasn't lynched by Donald Sport, Trump supporters. Okay. But I'm watching what's going on in 14th Street where you have agitators. You had one gentleman who had on a red mask. I couldn't tell exactly well, what his ethnicity was. I believe he was African-American. He was stomping American flag. Mm-hmm. As you had the groups that was going into the venue, they were walking in a long, tremendously long line in circle blocks. And they was being sort of like herded, you would say, like a, through corrals in order to uh, get to the door. So you got the agitators on the outside, which is all right, because they got a right to agitate. But you have a couple of instances where you had one protest, and this is that black man who was hollering at one of the persons that was walking in line. And all of a sudden, he removed the barricade and, you know, took out after this guy. Now, to be truthful with you, I believe both of them was provocateurs. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I believe both of them. And there's no way these guys, these people have to be getting paid because there's no way I would do that for nothing. <laughs> well, that seems to be that seems to be the um, you know, what people are alleging calling them professional protesters and and saying that this was obviously an orchestrated, organized, uh, these, these, uh, a lot of these things are orchestrated and organized and not some kind of just spontaneous, uh, you know, spontaneous rioting, I guess. 
No, so, these people, these guys, these protesters, that was about several African-Americans. One guy had on a suit and a bow tie, and he was howling and shouting and so forth. The police was very, very professional. Matter of fact, there was one black man who was who was demonstrating his open carry privileges. He had a nine millimeter on, on his side mm-hmm. with clips, and he was shaking okay. hands with the whites in the crowd. Mm-hmm. He had on a gun, and he had a sign, you know, offering CCW class, and shaking hands with the police officer. Right. I right. talked to some people who had traveled quite a ways. One lady was from Farmington, which is on the Arkansas border. And she was talking about the 60% unemployment in that area. Mm-hmm. There was one industry that was uh, a company called St. Joe Lead. She said that they closed down. They provided a lot of jobs for that area. And the only thing that's left now is just these little strip retail shops here and there. Mm-hmm. Another mm-hmm. white lady was talking about Social Security. She was worrying about all the threats that we hear about the cutting of benefits and so on and so on and so on. And you could hear Donald Trump's on loudspeakers as he was talking on the inside. Now, granted, he doesn't he doesn't address issues like a Hillary Clinton, who said that I agree with Barack Obama. I agree with Barack Obama. He talks to you as if you're sitting around a Thanksgiving Day dinner table. I mean, that's what it reminds you of. Calm mm-hmm. and peaceful. He talks about the school choice. He talks about the Second Amendment. He talks about the borders. He talks about corporate taxes. He talks about the jobs. He talks about education, as I mentioned before, school choice. So he is talking about the issues that people are interested in. He just does not do it in a typical fashion that we have gone accustomed to here in America mm-hmm. from politics. Well, I, I have to um, I have to let you go, but before I do, I do I want to ask you: Am I am I hearing right? You are you a Donald Trump supporter? Oh, I voted for him today, yes, here in Missouri. Okay. Yes, I, I really appreciate it. And then, let me just ask you, if you could just sum up in about 10 seconds what it is that you admire most or the the number one reason you support him, the top one, in about 10 seconds. Well, I've been watching politics for a long time, mm-hmm. and I – it's, it's, it, it just mystifies me how the establishment party head don't want him to be the front runner, whereas the people do. Mm. Okay. All right. So the fact that he bucks the establishment. He bucks you. the establishment. Absolutely. Mm. All right. And the people can see that. And what happened in Chicago, I think, just spurred people on much, much more. Okay. Well, I appreciate Thank your you. call and your input. Thank you so much. And, and, and your Thank you. first-hand account there in St. Louis. All right. God bless first-hand you. account. Absolutely. All right. Appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, I appreciate that caller. And, uh, again, there's there's something to be said for a, first, <clears throat> for a first-hand account. And, uh, <clears throat> and so speaking of a first-hand account, uh, and I'm going to get back to the whole issue of, of violence at the, at the Trump rally. Um, but I do want to um, I do want to point out that Senator Marco Rubio has suspended his campaign. I just saw on the television that he I, uh, he gave a speech. He suspended his campaign. He obviously lost in his state of Florida, and so now it's down to to three 
because um, obviously Donald Trump is the front runner. We have Senator Ted Cruz and John Kasich is projected to win his state of Ohio. And uh, so, well, not that he seems to have a path to, to winning enough delegates, but anyway, he plans on plotting along from what I understand. So just wanted to point that out. Senator Marco Rubio has suspended his campaign. So I want to to piggyback off of the concept of a first-hand account because I think first-hand accounts are very, very important. And um, Senator Ted Cruz came to uh, came to Missouri, came to Cape Girardeau, Missouri. If you've never heard of Cape Girardeau, I don't know where you've been, but Cape Girardeau is home of Rush Limbaugh in my own backyard here. And uh, it was not uh, there wasn't a lot of a lot of notice, and so I wasn't there. I wasn't able to make it. But uh, Julie Wilson was able to make it. She went to uh, to uh, Southeast Missouri uh, to the college where he spoke at Academic Hall, and she talked to me yesterday, and I was able to record my conversation with her, and she was able to give us her firsthand account of what that experience was like with Senator Ted Cruz right here, presidential candidate Ted Cruz. So let's hear what uh, Julie Wilson had to say. I am so glad to have an opportunity to speak to Julie Wilson. And Julie was able to attend the Senator Ted Cruz rally in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, when he came this past Saturday. It was kind of a last minute thing. And, uh, and I wasn't able to attend, but I do have a guest with us on The Right Voice who was there. And so I just wanted to introduce to you Julie Wilson, and we'll talk to her a little bit about her impression of, uh, of Senator, Tenor, uh, Senator Ted Cruz, who obviously is a 2016 presidential candidate right on the heels of frontrunner Donald Trump. Julie, thank you so much for joining me on The Right Voice. All right. Thanks for having me, Adrian. Yes. I appreciate you um, – being with us, I appreciate that you're going to take a little bit of time and talk to us about about your impression of uh, of Senator Senator Cruz. So I just have a few questions for you, and I just want to get your okay. feedback because I couldn't I couldn't be there. So you attended the rally. So first of all, my first question is what what made you attend? Now, I don't know if you're a regular rally goer or or what, but what made you attend this rally? Well, yeah, I've actually never attended a rally before, um, mainly because I've never really had the opportunity. Um, but I wanted to attend when I uh, thought, heard that he was coming, uh, just to try to, I, you know, see and hear from him without a lot of editing that you sometimes hear and see on on the news. And I know on the debates they don't really do that because those are live, but I just wanted that opportunity. And really it wasn't necessarily the fact that it was Ted Cruz. It was just, you know, I probably would have went had it been any of the of the candidates. It was just, you know, I had the opportunity, I was free, and I thought, you know, I'm going to jump in on this and, and just see what he has to say for myself. Absolutely, and, and really it's, could be like a once in a lifetime thing when you have a presidential candidate showing up uh, right in your own backyard. So, I oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and what what kind of crowd, as far as size, was there? I, you know, I I think the room that we were in, it was in an auditorium there at the at uh, Southeast State in the academic hall. I'm not really sure how many people it would hold, um, but I would say it was filled. 
there wasn't a lot of empty seats. I know, like, there is a balcony. There was maybe just a few. But I would say there was probably around 700 people mm-hmm. there. Okay. Uh, that that were that were there. They did start lining up a couple of hours or so before the doors actually opened. So, um, but you know, I felt like there was a really good turnout, especially mm-hmm. considering the building where he was. Right, and considering the fact that they really kept this under wraps until the last minute. I mean, it, yeah, it was, it was. It's not like people knew a week ahead of time. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even, I don't think they even said anything about it until Friday, the day before, you know, when he was supposed to be there, so. Right, okay, so how familiar were you with uh, Senator Cruz prior to this event? Oh, I I was pretty familiar with him. I've been watching, um, you know, all of the debates and really following this election since back in the summer, back when there was, I don't even remember how many of the conservative, you know, candidates we started out with, but there was probably a dozen or so. But, um, and I've, you know, I've watched the progress of this. And and honestly, this is probably one of the first presidential elections I followed this closely, especially this far out. You know, usually Mm -hmm. it was like when it got down to just the two, you know, in the general election time. Um, but I've, I've been following it for a while. And so I was a little, I was pretty familiar with him and and with what he had to say, but like I said, it was always based on what I would see on the news. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes. Now I I just have to ask because something you said jumped out at me. This you said is probably the one election cycle that you watched closer than, than any others. What is it about 2016 that has engaged you so much? Well, I think it's just the the way I feel that the direction that our country is going right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I don't personally, I don't like the way that it's heading. I don't like some of the things that that I've been seeing and, you know, in, in the field of, of our, you know, our presidential administration, you know, just in po- politics in general. And, I'm just really ready to see something different. And and I feel like that's kind of, at least for my personal experience and for, Mm -hmm. you know, the the circles that I'm in, you know, I think that is a a really over, you know, a lot of people are really feeling that too. I think there's a lot of people that don't normally follow it, especially this far out as closely as they are, but it's all because they're just, they're ready to see something different and see the country head back in a direction that what America is supposed to be. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I just don't like the way things are going. <laughs> so I'm right. really paying attention yeah. to, to these candidates and what they have mm-hmm. to say. And and apparently you're not alone because I mean, record numbers of voters throughout these states have been coming to the polls and that's definitely, um, definitely worth noting. It's a, it's a, I don't know, something is certainly stirring people. So let me, let me ask you though, um, because you were already familiar with him is there anything in was there anything in the event or anything in his speech that that changed your opinion of Ted Cruz at all or solidified something um whether positive or negative sure i think if anything it probably solidified it more uh because even though you know i i've mentioned you know i i know what the media wants to show but i i have watched every, just about every debate you know not necessarily from front to end but you know i've even that i have watched them at least portions of each one yeah. and um so really what all he did say saturday night at the at the campus i've heard him say before 
Um, but it, like I said, it was just it's just a little bit different when when you are in the room and you get to see it for yourself. And and so if anything, it just solidified um, some of the things that he said. And and you know, and I was really impressed with him. You know, and some of the things that he had to say. Mm-hmm. You were you were impressed. You said yes, you were. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. I was, I was. But like I said, it wasn't nothing that necessarily took me by surprise. But it was just like okay, you know. And and mm-hmm. I think it's kind of the way this uh, this is shaping up. You know, when it comes like to, for voting tomorrow, it's like well, we're down to these four, and you know, it's out of the four, which one do I want? You know, that I'm going to back the most. And mm-hmm. you know, I know when it comes down to the general election, I'll go with the conservative person, whoever that ends up being, but it's, it's going to be, you know, for right now, while I still have that option, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to go with it. <laughs> I'm going to take right. it and, and, you know, exercise my right to, to voice. And so. Mm-hmm. Very, yeah, very important that we do, uh, that we do that. Now was, was uh, Carly Fiorina there? With him? No, she she was not, and and I thought she was gonna be there, and I was actually kind of excited about hearing her. She was one, you know, when when she was early on, um, I you know I I really liked her as well, um, mm-hmm. but she wasn't there. Um, I think she was at some of like the one in St. Louis or or wherever. He okay. was in a couple of other places, but she didn't. Uh, she wasn't at this one. Okay. Now I, I want to really tap into something because I hear a lot. Of people say that they find Ted Cruz to be quote self-righteous that he comes off as self-righteous holier than thou whatever expression oh, one might want mm-hmm. to use and you were in the room with him and like you said there's a difference between being in the room and watching through the news or whatever how do you react to those people who feel that he comes off as self-righteous what, what do you say yeah, I didn't get that impression from him at all. I mean, I feel like he, you know, when he talks about his faith, I believe that it's genuine. And, you know, and, and that when he, you know, exercises that right as as an American, that, that I don't feel like he comes a, across as, as being self-righteous. I, you know, I really mm-hmm. feel like he is sincere in that. And mm-hmm. and that is another reason that, you know, I'm I'm kind of, you know, leaning in his direction is, you know, I really feel because that is something that's important to me personally. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like, you know, he would be someone that would stand up. And I mean, I know that that doesn't encompass the whole, you know, gamut of being a president. I know they deal with a lot of other issues, but I feel like that is a very important issue. And because it, it some of the, it's the foundation of our constitution and and the whole reason yes. we were founded and and so um you know so to me it, it was very important but as far as him coming across as self-righteous i didn't see that i didn't get mm-hmm. that impression from him at all mm-hmm. were there protesters there there were a few um now i was kind of early in the line i was um probably got in line about an hour and an hour and a half before the doors open. And so once I, by the time I got in the building, I would say there was probably eight to 12 people out there. Uh, but it wasn't nothing, um, you know, they, they were exercising their right and, you know, and they absolutely have that right to do that. And, you know, I don't know if any more came after I was inside. I'm not sure, but I, from what I did hear, I don't think there was like a whole, lot of people I think it was just kind of a maybe you know half a dozen to a dozen uh Mm -hmm. but again you know that's their right you know they have they have their 
you know, they're absolutely able to do that and exercise their First Amendment rights. And it was sure. it was peaceful. They were kind of just holding up their signs and doing those right. types of things. So no one was no one was knocking anybody in the head and no, we didn't have any. No, no, I didn't see any fists swinging or blood okay. or anything like that. So no, no, uh, no Chicago style protesting. <laughs> uh, no, no, it was a little. It was a little more peaceful, okay. <laughs> the way protests should be. <laughs> right, exactly. That that, that does uh, Kate Gerardo uh, proud, I suppose. You know. Yes, right, it should. So, let's, as as we wind down. Had you already, maybe, you know, tell me if I'm out of line for asking this, but I, I'm not going to let you go without asking. Had you already <laughs> decided prior to Saturday, had you already decided whom you will vote for? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, because Oops, I lost you a little bit there. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you hear okay, me? you're back. Okay, I you know I knew that going in like for voting tomorrow that we were kind of we were down to these four these four men, and um and actually my very first choice he he didn't he's not in it now and so I'm just like well whenever I get to March fifteenth I'll I'll you know kind of make that you know that decision then and you know and I pretty much had it because like I said out of the four I would have to say he is the one that I'm kind of leaning towards so you know just seeing him here you know really solidified and had it been another candidate here instead of Cruz if it had been some other ones I really and I like I said I probably would have went had I had the opportunity but I don't really know if I would have changed my opinion you know I mean I pretty much had my mind made up uh, but, you know, I'm also still, you know, open to hearing other people's ideas and, and seeing, you know, them in person and seeing what they have to say when you're, you get to see them live yourself and make those right. judgments. Because you, you can read a lot more. You can read, you know, their body language and, you know, and just their mannerisms. You see it a lot more clear when, whenever yes. you're seeing it live. So, absolutely. so if, if I'm hearing you, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that, that you are planning to vote for Senator Cruz, am I correct? Yes, yes. On in t- for tomorrow, I am. Yes, yes. And and again, this is pre-recorded, so actually, by the time our audience hears this, we may even know how Missouri has voted and where our votes have, you know, what, what the leaning yeah. towards or who won or whatever. So okay, yeah. well, wonderful. I um I really appreciate your time because I wanted that firsthand account. Um, of his of his visit here, I wanted to hear from someone on the ground, and you did a very good job of just letting us know what the you know what the the crowd was like and uh, and what your impression of him was being in in the room with him, and that's um that was a great opportunity for him to come here to Cape Girardeau, home of Rush Limbaugh. Oh yeah, you know yeah absolutely. And yeah. David, was, David Limbaugh was with him, correct? Yes, he actually did like an opening speech before. Uh, Senator Cruz came out and, you know, and he, he spoke, you know, he did a really good job as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you so much, Julie, for taking out time to talk to us on the right voice and to share your perspective about Saturday's event with Senator Ted Cruz. And we will see how this all goes. Before Oh, no, yes, we will. <laughs> before it's all said and done, we're going to eventually have a nominee and, uh, and we will see what happens because it has been quite the ride. It has. Time will tell. Yes, it will. (laughs) Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Adrian. Bye-bye. Well, there's that firsthand account 
of the Senator Ted Cruz rally in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. And Julie Wilson lets us know exactly her impression, which is one of, of obvious respect for Senator Cruz and his candidacy for the presidency. The call-in number again here is 646-200-3715, 646-200-3715, and I am your host, Adrian Ross, and I see now, as far as the Democrats go, Hillary Clinton is the projected winner of North Carolina and Florida, the North Carolina and Florida primaries at North Carolina, Florida, Ohio primaries, Fox News projects Hillary Clinton, and we already know that Donald Trump has won in the state of Florida, and Senator Marco Rubio has suspended his campaign after losing his home state. Okay, we are going to take a brief break, so grab a drink of water or run to the restroom or whatever, and I'll be right back.
All right. Welcome back to The Right Voice Radio with your host, Adrian Roth. And let's continue with what we're talking about. We might run into overtime tonight here on The Right Voice, so hang with us here. But I do want to get to something that our caller actually brought us to, and that is the whole concept of Donald Trump inciting violence. We know that there have been uh, all kinds of riots going on, and uh, our caller said he didn't see in St. Louis what what people were saying was there. Uh, we know that he Donald Trump had to cancel an event in Chicago because it was all manner of craziness and, and wickedness and evil and chaos. And of course, when that happens, when you have such a polarizing figure as Donald Trump, people want to place blame. So my question is, does Donald Trump bear responsibility for the tone, for the the, the violence that has taken place, uh, the disturbances at his rallies. And we, we know that his opponents have, a, have an opinion on that. We know that his um, Democrat opponents in particular have an opinion on that. And we know that you have an opinion. So let's jump in. I want to, to play a few clips here concerning that. I want to start with John Kasich, who is obviously uh, running against Donald Trump. And let's see what he has to say about these riots and Donald Trump, uh, his, I guess, role to play in that. There's no question that Donald Trump has created a toxic atmosphere, pitting one group against another and name-calling and all those kinds of things. Now, I, I think there are people that would go to a rally who would look to disrupt, uh, but look, the environment is there and he needs to back off of this and, and start being more aspirational, telling... Okay. So there you have it. John Kasich has said that Donald Trump has created this atmosphere, this uh, toxic atmosphere. So he lays blame at Donald Trump for this environment. Then we have uh, Senator Rubio, who is no longer obviously in the campaign as of tonight. And here's what he has to say. I will say no one is blameless here. Uh, perhaps I, I wouldn't say Mr. Trump's responsible for the events of tonight, but he most certainly, in other events, has in the past used some pretty uh, rough language in encouraging the crowd to, you know, saying things like, in the good old days, we used to beat these people up, or I'll pay your legal bills if you rough them up. So I think he bears some responsibility for the general tone of the things that are happening before, you know, saying things like, in the good old days, we used to beat these people up, or I'll pay your legal bills if you rough them up. So I think he bears some responsibility for the general tone of the things that are happening. Before, as far as what's happening tonight, I mean, clearly this is an orchestrated effort by people. that Some of them are probably being paid to do this. And uh, I think it's just sad all the way around to see these images where, you know, it, it, there, it, it clearly there's some level of ethnic and racial divide in how this is playing out on television. I just think it reflects very poorly on our country. It's, I, I, don't, I think it's sad all the way around tonight. I really do. I'm, I'm, I'm very sad for our country. When you, know, when you make reference to, to Mr. Trump's language, you know, a lot of people think it's funny. They think that's kind of funny, the, the, the stuff he says. Like, ah, punch him in the face. You know, like, these people are irritating. They're trying to disrupt the rallies. He's had enough. People show up now to his rallies with signs that they've already written out that read, get him out, because that's what Trump always says, get him out. And then sometimes he adds some more colorful language. Yeah, see, the thing is, though, when you want to be president, it's, look, one of, the, one of the appeals of Donald Trump, I believe, is that he says what a lot of people wish they could say. 
but it's not politically correct to say or it's not polite to say. And he says it. He says it on a big platform, and people love it. It's cathartic. The problem is that when you're going to be president of the United States or when you're running for president or where you are president, you can't just say whatever you want. These words have real consequences. Uh, Mr. Uh, you know, Donald Trump has a big platform right now. He's the front runner in the Republican Party. Everybody's paying attention to what he's saying. And these words have consequences when you're president even more so. Again, I want to be clear. I am not telling you that what happened there tonight is something I blame him for, because I will tell you that those people that are there are professional protesters uh, in an array of different interest groups. I guarantee you some of these people are being paid to do this, and you can see it just in the, in the interviews afterwards as well. But I am saying he does bear responsibility for some of the other things that have happened at his events, including people being punched in the face, allegedly a reporter also being roughed up the other day. I think there's blame to go around here, and I think it reflects we are entering a kind of a very disturbing moment in our political discourse in this country that is reaching a boiling point that I believe has very significant repercussions, not just for this election, but for the, the future of this country. I mean, the, 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 we are being ripped apart at the seams as a nation and as a people right now. And I think the president bears some blame for that as well in terms of some of the rhetoric he used. You see some of it reflected on college campuses as well. How do you think? Okay, so there you have Marco Rubio sort of straddling the fence there, wanting to be very clear that on a particular given night, Donald Trump may not be responsible because these were paid protesters or professional protesters, but that he does bear responsibility for some other violent, violent acts that took place, according to uh, Marco Rubio. So we have Kasich saying that he created the to- he creates a toxic atmosphere. We have Rubio saying that on some in-, in some instances he bears some responsibility because of the words that he said. And now let's listen to Hillary Clinton. I'm sure this will be a doozy. Well, I think all Americans should be concerned. It's clear that uh, Donald Trump is running a very cynical campaign, pitting um, groups of Americans against one another. He is. Uh, trafficking in hate and fear. Uh, He is playing to our worst instincts rather than our angels of our better nature. Uh, He actually incites violence in the way that he urges his uh, audience on, you know, talking about punching people, offering to pay legal bills. Uh, And then on the specifics, you know, we know that he has been incredibly um, bigoted towards so many groups. Uh, he talks about deporting 11, 12 million uh, immigrants. We're a nation built on immigrants. He talks about preventing Muslims from coming into our country. We believe in religious freedom. There's just so much of what he's doing that I think we all have to reject. Uh, because it is so at odds with our values. You don't make America great by tearing down everything that made America great. Mm -hmm. And so let's stand up and with one voice reject that. I have to say I have a hard time taking Hillary Clinton seriously. Uh, I just, I don't trust her. Obviously, I'm I'm with the majority of Americans who say that she's dishonest. But um, she, listen, I'm no Trump trumpeter. You know, and and I do believe that language matters, but she's hate and 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 bias, and she uh, she wouldn't say illegal immigrants. She talked about the fact that he mentioned deporting, and she used immigrants and said our country is based on that, and and that he's pushing things that are that that are not American. Well, 
uh, I don't quite get that because he has talked about illegal immigrants. And that was something that I noticed that she avoided saying. And that's where the dishonesty comes in. But in any case, um, that's Hillary Clinton's version of events. And, and let's just listen to, to one thing that Trump has said concerning some violence at his events. Or maybe not. <laughs> My so I got a little notice in case you see the All security right. guys. We have wonderful security guys. They said, Mr. Trump, there may be somebody with tomatoes in the audience. So if you see somebody getting ready to throw a tomato, knock the crap out of them, would you? Seriously. Okay. Just knock the hell. I promise you, I will pay for the legal fees. I promise. I promise. They won't be so much because the courts agree with us, too. What's going on in this country? And there's Trump's comments. And that's what concerns some people. So I'm going to, before we, before I say goodnight, I'm going to give my two cents, whatever that, that's worth. And, and I, I'm concerned with what I have seen, obviously. Um, I'm concerned when I see violence. I'm concerned when people are, you know, grown people, supposedly civilized people, American people, any people are out there fighting and punching and scratching. And, and then when a presidential candidate is speaking, someone's rushing the stage trying to get him or get the microphone or whatever it is, or, you know, and, and, and disrupting, you know, making it your business not to allow that person to speak. To me, that's just a new level of low and it's uncivilized. Okay. I, I'm concerned about that. I am also concerned when we do, when we say things like punch people in the face and, uh, and I'll pay the legal fees and stuff. I, I don't, I don't condone that either. But here's the thing. We across the board have gotten to the point where we do not believe that people have to take personal responsibility for their lives. To say that Donald Trump has made someone hit someone, made someone punch someone in the face, is responsible for what someone else does to me shows a lack of understanding that we are people with a will and we have to make decisions on how to behave. We are not two-year-olds. So the people who bear responsibility for acting a fool are the people who are acting a fool, okay? That's the bottom line. You are responsible for what you say and what you do, not somebody up there who says, hey, you know, and back in the day, we would have done this. Well, I'll pay your legal fees. Listen, people who want to act a fool, they're not waiting for Donald Trump to tell them to do it. They're doing it because it's in them to do. And people have to take responsibility and be held responsible. Okay, so that's number one. The person to blame is the person who did it. However, having said that, I do believe that it is important that we set a good example. I do believe that that you that with freedom and we do have the freedom of speech comes a certain amount of your own personal responsibility you want to lead the nation lead by example you want to be leader of the free world then lead in a positive way 
And therefore, no, I am not saying we need to be politically correct. I'm saying that be the statesman that America needs. I'm not blaming you for when people go off the rails. I'm not blaming Donald Trump for that. But I am saying that, that we should, we, each of us, and especially if you're running for the highest office in the land, should care about how you present this nation, if not yourself. We're not trying to punch people in the face. And he and the, the one guy who, who said that um, the next time I see, next he punched somebody or elbowed somebody and then said the next time we might have to kill him. And, and that's the one I guess Donald Trump is, is looking into paying his legal fees. I think he's the one where Donald Trump said, well, you know, the guy gave him a finger, gave him the finger. Well, listen, we're not two years old. We don't fight people and punch people because they gave us the finger. So my message is not so much for Donald Trump and what, you know, my message is for the people who are acting and acting like idiots. Really? So I'm very concerned. I'm very concerned about the direction of the nation. We're living in some, living in some really interesting times, but we have to take responsibility for our own actions. If you're Donald Trump, you take responsibility for your actions. If you're in the rally, you take responsibility for your actions. If somebody comes to speak and you don't think you're going to like what they have to say, the answer is not to disrupt. The First Amendment, I understand from lawyers, does not give you the right you have the right to protest, but it does not give you the right to shut somebody else down and deny them their First Amendment rights. The answer to speech that you don't like is not less speech, but more speech. That means you do your own rally and you speak your mind. You do not have the right to violate somebody else's freedom of speech by shutting them down and not allowing them to talk. That is not what the First Amendment is all about. We need to learn how to disagree without being crazy. We need to learn that somebody might have a different opinion, and that doesn't make them a racist. Yes, they might be unfit to lead if that's your opinion. Okay. That doesn't mean that we need to start. They're racist and they're hated because they don't agree with me. And then having this whole movement where perhaps people, perhaps people are being paid to come in there and just disrupt, just act crazy. We are better than this, and it is embarrassing. It's embarrassing when it's the presidential candidate. It's embarrassing when it's you. It's just embarrassing. And we need to do better. We got a long way still to November. What in the world will we see? I'm telling you, we need people who are willing to pray. And we need people who are willing to act. So there's my two, three, four, six, whatever. Okay? So, hey, it is the right voice. So I use my voice, and you can agree or disagree. And uh, and you're free to do that here in America. All right, the number is 646-200-3715. Before I say goodnight to you on this overtime part of the right voice, I do want to give my my love and my support, voice my love and support for Todd Palin, who is the husband of former Alaska Governor Sarah Palin. Todd Palin was in a snow machine accident on Sunday, I believe it was, and uh, the Palin's issued a statement, says Todd Palin is in intensive care at an Alaskan hospital with injuries, including multiple broken and fractured ribs, broken shoulder blade, broken clavicle, knee leg injuries, and a collapsed lung. He is presently back in surgery to repair multiple fractures. And thank you for your prayers for a speedy recovery. We, as his wife and children, appreciate your respect for our privacy during this time. 
knowing Todd, once he's cognizant, he'll probably ask Doc to duct tape him, <laughs> duct tape him up, and he'll call it good. He's tough, and so my prayers are with him. Um, I love the Palins; they're friends, and um, and I just have great respect for them. Todd is a very tough. He's that manly man for sure. Very, very tough dude, but he does need, he's not so tough that he doesn't need our prayers because we need to rely on God. And uh, and so we're praying for the Palin family during this time. Um, Governor Palin was in Florida to to uh, stump for Donald uh, Trump. But of course, um, once she was able to get on the plane, she was able to get back home. To, she was able to do one event, then be able to, to get, get, get the plane and get on back home uh, to her husband. So our prayers are with the Palins. All right. So uh, I also want to give a shout out to my old school district, the Hudson City School District, where the boys varsity basketball team made history. They, we, it was an incredible journey. I wrote about it, the Southeast Missourian uh, today, and uh, it appeared in my column. But these boys, these guys came together and they won and won and won. They were undefeated. They won the, their conference championship. They won sectionals championship, and then they went to the semifinals of the state championship. They fell a little bit short, but I tell you what, I mean, the community unity was amazing. Businesses, uh, first responders, um, teachers, students, uh, former players, everybody. I mean, businesses opened the doors for people to watch games, and the games were periscoped, and here I am all the way in Missouri, and I'm watching and cheering, and, uh, and uh, the police, the sheriff's department, are, they're holding up signs and their signs in the, in the community, digital signs and all this to tell these guys how much we appreciate them. And it was just amazing. And I, I, I taught in Hudson for over 17 years. I coached there myself and won two back-to-back. I won two, uh, two conference championships. They were back-to-back championships. Coached some very talented, dedicated young ladies on the girls' high school varsity team. And I had a lot of support, but I've never, ever seen the support and the rallying that I just witnessed during this run for these boys. Like I said, they came just a little bit short, but I tell you what, man, they took us for a ride. So God bless the Hudson City School District and these boys, the Hudson Boys varsity basketball team. And um, most of them I taught. And even the coach, uh, Sean Briscoe, was my student uh, back in the day. And so it's it's just been amazing, and I'm proud of them. All right, so having said that, I am going to wish you a good night. I want to thank you for tuning into The Right Voice. And I also thank you for hanging with me 10 minutes over for overtime. It's been real. I appreciate you. And keep your eyes on the politics and uh, keep your eyes on what's going on around you. It's it's an interesting time we're living in. I wish you well. God bless you. And uh, we'll catch up with you later. Good news instead of. Finish.